welcome to the Leadership Window Podcast with Patrick Jinks. Each week, through a social sector lens, Patrick interviews leaders and experts and puts us in touch with trends and tips for leading effectively. Patrick is an LSI certified leadership coach, a member of the Forbes Coaches Council, a best-selling author, award-winning photographer, and professional speaker. And now, here's Patrick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 46 of the Leadership Window Podcast. I am Patrick Jinks, leadership and strategy coach and president of the Jinx Perspective. We took a week off. I hope that all of you had a wonderful 4th of July weekend and and hopefully you got some extended time. Hopefully you got just some kind of downtime. And, um, and now you're back here ready to roll. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, this is, I don't know how long this episode is going to be. This is going to be another one of those unscripted episodes. I have been working with a number of clients. Well, <laughs> virtually all of my clients that I work with on strategic planning, we talk about this. And many times in my executive coaching one-on-one, we talk about this. But we're going to be talking about mission, vision, and values today. But m- maybe a little differently than you've ever heard it. Maybe. Uh, not radically different, I don't think, but a little different approach and a way that I like to try to help people think through this a little bit differently. People get hung up on the statements. Well, that's actually a vision statement or that's actually a mission statement or ours is combined or values mean this or a tactic is this and a strategy is this and a goal is this and an objective is this. And I try to tell people, don't get hung up on the labels of what these things are. There's just really a few questions you need to ask yourself and be able to answer at any particular time in the life cycle of your organization. So we're going to work on simplifying that. Our work, as you know, is about clarity, simplicity, and alignment. So we're going to work on those three things today a little bit with mission, vision, and values and see if we can't get a little bit of help to you. Uh, I will say I've, I've, um, I have a bias on this, uh, and a l- maybe some expertise. <laughs> I am wrapping up in the next couple of months, a, my doctoral dissertation in organizational leadership for my PhD and my dissertation, my study was conducted on nonprofit mission measurement. How are nonprofits measuring their performance against their stated missions. And so we'll talk a little bit about that probably in a future episode when I get this thing completely done and defended and it's uh, credible. But uh, I've done a lot of thinking, working, coaching, and learning through this subject for the better part of three decades now. And I've come to maybe the simplest way to do it. So we're going to talk about that. But before we do, we want to hear from our friends at Leadership Systems Incorporated who sponsor this program and uh, offer some great discounts for exclusively for listeners to this program. If you are wanting to learn how to add coaching to your management repertoire, Leadership Systems is the place to go. It's where I got my coaching certification. You don't have to want to go into business as a coach to value a coaching certification. It is a great model to add to your leadership toolkit and uh, we appreciate them. So here's a little bit from Mike Wallace about what they have to offer. Hey, this is Michael Wallace with Leadership Systems Incorporated. And on behalf of LSI, I wanna say thanks for supporting our friend Patrick Jinks and the Leadership Window Podcast. We've been partnering with Patrick for many years and we are so proud to have him represent us as an LSI certified executive coach. 
As a mutual friend, we'd like to offer you exclusive rates on some of the same training that Patrick has received over the years, as well as some new experiences that we've been developing. Head over to leadershipsystems.com slash jinx to see the upcoming training events on our calendar and register today to keep learning and growing. Again, that's leadershipsystems.com slash jinx, J-I-N-K-S, for exclusive pricing on LSI's virtual and in-person training events. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Michael, and Dr. Jim Smith and Taylor and all the folks at LSI for your partnership with us. We greatly appreciate it. And if you ever go to that site and notice that the uh, dates are behind a little bit, maybe it's too short a notice or maybe there's a date listed there that's already passed. Don't worry. Come back to it and uh, they'll update that or just give them a call. Uh, Go to their website at uh, leadershipsystems.com. and uh, call Taylor and just find out when the next one is because they do these things repeatedly. So I hope you'll do that. Uh, Okay, we're talking about mission, vision, and values today. And um, oh, one more thing, I wanted to remind everyone, I I don't promote this, I don't know that I've even promoted this once yet on this podcast, and I wanna start doing it because it's a, it's a good sister to this podcast. If you want sort of short clips, uh, abbreviated versions of some of the things that we share, they're not exactly like episode by episode. They're actually just similar topics, but we also have a YouTube channel. And if you just go to our website, jinxperspective.com, that's J-I-N-K-S perspective.com, and just click on the link in the menu for YouTube and go to our uh, Perspectives in Nonprofit Leadership YouTube channel. And almost every week, not quite every week, but almost every week we have a, a four, five, six minute episode. And uh, it's sort of a coaching episode designed to help you maybe deal with some of the things that a lot of nonprofit leaders are dealing with from how do I engage my board more effectively how do I lead difficult staff? Um, where should I be spending my time as a CEO? Just all kinds of things that we deal with in executive coaching. We share some of those tenants on our YouTube channel. So we hope that the listeners of the show will check that out. Subscribe when you get there, share it with friends, all that good stuff. We are talking about mission, vision, and values. And here, here's, let me set this up. Uh, every strategic planning session I went to for 20 years, it seems like they started with, okay, what's our mission statement? And you get out a flip chart and a marker and the facilitator, you know, starts capturing everybody's thought and you build a mission statement and then, okay, time to build a vision statement. Let's build a vision statement. And, uh, then you build a value statement and that's, um, that's just kind of what you do. It's part of the strategic planning process. You have to do it. And it becomes perfunctory. And many of you have been through those just grinding meetings where everyone wants to have, make sure that their little piece of, of thought gets up on the board and somewhere gets woven into the mission statement. And there's arguing about whether or not we should use we or us or whether we should use and or 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 whether you know we should put the name of our community in it or not. And we really, really get hung up on it. And sometimes I've, I've left meetings where they just couldn't resolve it. I, I've done this in, in um, corporate settings too, where you bring groups of people in to talk about, you know, try to build a vision statement and a mission statement. And it takes them months. And okay, you know, if you're really having the right conversations, I'm okay with it taking months. But the problem is, and one of the reasons it often takes months is that, 
the exercise becomes statement building rather than mission building. That's the best way I've always found to be able to put it, to help people make sense of it. It's about let's build a statement, not let's create a vision or let's get clear about what our mission is. It's let's create a statement. And we're picturing a statement on our website and our brochures and we want to be able to quote it. And we want the average Joe on the street to be able to quote it. After all, it's our mission statement. You know, you, it's the Holy grail. You got to have it. And uh, it's fine. And I, I say this and it sounds just critical of everybody. And I'm not, I'm not trying to just slam everybody. I am just trying to say that's been my experience with most mission statements. Um, if you go to Google and just Google mission statements, even of corporations, you'll kind of look at these sometimes and go, eh, that sounds really kind of cute and clever or inspirational or really like, you know, this, this business is really solid and man, they're so in, intelligent. But then if you read the statement a little closer, you still don't know what they do. You still don't know what their charge is. You don't know really what it, what it is you're here to do. What problem are you here to solve or what uh, aspiration are you trying to lead your community to or the world? And it can become just sort of nebulous. And in my book, Strategic Fail, I call these irreverent moments of truth where I get a little sarcastic, you know, I kind of, I, criti- I critique it. And usually when I do that, the people in the room, if I'm speaking on the subject there, I see a lot of nodding heads because they've been through this. You've been through this, you know, exactly what I'm talking about. And so in part of our coaching world, we've sort of set about trying to help people think through this differently. So in our board retreats, for example, we'll ask your board questions, but we won't say, what's your mission statement? And let's now let's build a new vision statement. We'll just ask questions. What do you, what are you doing here? What do you, what are your intentions? Why was this organization formed? What's the, tell me about your community and what, what issue or aspiration this organization is trying. And we just have a conversation about who are you? Why are you here? What are you doing? Who are you doing it for? What are you trying to achieve? Those are the questions. <laughs> You want me to run through them again? Why are you here? Let's start with that one. Simon Sinek, start with why. Why are you here? And so let me, let me start this one. I'm going to, what I'm going to, what I wanted to walk through today is a, a construct to think about. So instead of thinking, well, we have to have a mission statement and my professor in my business school said it had to be eight words or shorter, or my, you know, the book I read said it had to be um, you know, no more than two sentences and it had to include my geography and it had, just drop the rules for a minute. Don't, don't think about, don't think about any of that. Think of this as a different kind of construct that answers some questions, starting with why are you here? I'll share an exercise. I do, uh, a lot of times at board retreats, I will ask the question of your, of the board. Why are you here? Why is your organization here? Why does your organization exist? I'll ask that question and I'll ask them often. I ask them to, to answer it in 140 characters or less. I ask them to think about their answer as a tweet. You have 140 characters, not words, characters, every letter, every punctuation, every space is a character. If you had to write 140 characters, why your organization exists, what would you write? And there's some great clever answers to these, but I will tell you that nine out of 10 people start their answer with the word to. Why is your organization here to help the homeless or to provide services for 
or to help our community blank or um, to serve blank or to create a path to blank. Everybody starts their answer with the word to and they go straight to mission. Stay with me on this. I really think this is going to make a lot of sense to you in, in just a few minutes. When I ask the question, why is your organization here? Why, why does your organization exist? Actually is the question. Everyone goes straight to mission. And the reason I believe it's just a theory on my end is because we're trained to think that mission is the why, but it's not. In fact, I have even written in the past that mission is the why I was wrong as far as I'm concerned. So I need to write a second edition of my strategic fail book. Um, it, it is the what mission is the what, because mission is your charge. Think about it. This is your mission. You could replace that with, this is your charge. This is what you're charged with doing. I'm sending you on a mission or we're sending ourselves on a mission. Think about it as a military term. Your mission is to take that hill. Yeah, I haven't told you why we're trying to take that hill. Just your mission is to take that hill. Go take it. Your mission is to set up a parameter around this uh, particular region. Uh, your mission is to go and extract uh, a troop that's on the ground near the coast. That's your mission. It's what I want you to do. I need you to go do this specific thing. That's it. So when you ask, why does your organization exist? The mission is not the answer. The answer should be, think of it like this. And this is what I, we go through the exercise and then we repeat it. And I ask him to change one word before they finish their answer. I ask them to change the word to, to the word because. When someone asks you a why question, the first word out of your mouth is usually because. Why do you wear your hair that way? Because it's hot in the summer. <laughs> you know, why do you have two cars? Because my wife and I both need transportation and we need it simultaneously at times. Um, you know, why did you buy a house at the beach? Because that's my sanctuary and I always wanted to live at the beach. You start with because because why this because so if you said why does your organization exist well because and i'm going to i'm going to get to some samples for it in a, in a moment on this this is often not a part of the construct of a mission statement and i get the argument for it the why is usually the problem and if you're into appreciative inquiry you might not even like this question. You know, what is the problem you're trying to solve that focuses on the problem? I get it. But m most of us that are leading nonprofits are, we're formed to help solve some community issue or fill some community gap. It's just, that's just the reality of it. That's why we were formed. And so it, whether it's to end homelessness, okay, homelessness is the problem. You know, why does your organization exist? Because we have, you know, at any given point in time, over 1200 people in our small community that are homeless, considered homeless. They don't have a place to live. That's why we formed this thing to change that. Right? So if you think about that, think about that. This is like your case. This is your case for existing. Somebody needs to do this. Okay, now let's put that aside for a minute. We're going to come back to all of these questions in a moment with, with a couple of examples of construct. 
let's ask the next question. What do you, what are you hoping to achieve? What do you want? So you brought this group together. Somebody brought this group together and chartered a nonprofit. What, what did they want? What's the end goal? What's your objective to this? So, you know, it might be to end homelessness. Um, uh, but it's, this is where we talk about vision. So why kind of gets to purpose. What do you want to, what do you hope to achieve? What do you want? What are you desiring? What do you, that's your vision. So it's a picture of a future state. It's a picture of what you want to see, what you want to be able to bring and change, uh, and make better or make good or solve or resolve. What do you want? What are you hoping to achieve? That's the question. Don't say, what's our vision statement? Isn't that a huge difference in question? Okay, what's our vision statement, everybody? Versus, hey, what are we trying to achieve here? (laughs) Huge difference. Now, here's another question. What is your charge? What are you saying in your articles of incorporation that you send off to the IRS to get your tax-exempt status? What are you telling them that you're doing? Your charge. So our role, because this issue exists and, and because we want this particular result, we are going to do X. This is what our nonprofit is set up to do. This is our charge. So we're going to provide a shelter from the storm for individuals who are homeless, or we're going to, I'm making these really simple. I'm using these sort of niche basic needs, um, services right now to make the point. This is what we do. We, we provide counseling for victims of domestic violence. That's what we do because we believe that, um, if we can get to their mental state and help guide them cognitively and emotionally through this crisis, uh, you know, they can recover. Your charge is based on some sort of theory of change that you believe that in order to achieve the vision, this is the part that's missing in the community. This is the part that you have the core competency to do. This is the role that you are uniquely positioned to play your mission in a war, different military units from big to small. They all have different missions. They're doing different things. Some are in different countries at the same time. Think about World War II. Not everyone had the exact same mission. There were little missions within missions within missions. Everybody played their role and everybody played their part. And some of it was logistics and some of it was intelligence and some of it was infantry and some of it was air cover. And everyone had their own mission. Your nonprofit is not trying to solve everything in the world. And if your nonprofit is working on homelessness, for example, you're not likely to solve that issue in your community alone. You're part of an ecosystem. You need policy. You need economic development. You need um, you need policymakers and influencers. You need construction workers. You need uh, you, you need HUD at the table. You need you know. I'm just giving some examples. You are one part of an ecosystem. Your mission is to fill in that blank. What is our charge? So let's move to the next one and we'll, we'll stop at this one. We'll, we'll stop with sort of four questions. 
What is your primary approach to doing this? I define a strategy as a primary approach. A strategy is the primary method or approach that an organization is going to take to achieve an objective, a core objective. What is your primary approach? Example I always use, uh, if you're going into business to sell product, are you going to go high volume, low price? Or are you going to go specialty, niche, high value product, high profitability, fewer buyers, higher profitability? Both legit. You can name businesses that do both or either. Very few would do both. (laughs) Most businesses are going to choose a strategy. What's their strategic bet? The thing that says we believe this is the approach that will get us the greatest bang for the buck. So let's go back to the homeless um, organization. Uh, What's your primary approach? Is it we just want to provide temporary shelter from the storm? And we believe that we can do that. We give them half a chance to find something, you know, that that's just, that's our hope. Or our strategy is transitional housing. Our, our strategy is get them in here for a year or two while we help uh, find jobs for them, while we help deal with childcare, while we help connect them to services. Or your strategy might be to end homelessness. Your mission strategy might be our strategy is all about getting them into permanent housing first. And then we'll worry about the support system. You see the difference in strategy there. That's your primary approach. Your charge and your mission is one thing. Your primary approach to it is different. So instead of saying, okay, what are our strategies? We need three. Just say, what's our, what is our primary approach to this? And this is where, again, I like to talk about theory of change. That's a term that scares a lot of people. Ooh, that sounds like really academic or really ethereal. Or I don't know what that means. Your theory of change, simply put, is what do you believe is going to make the difference? And again, I'm going to get to a couple of examples on this. So why are you here? Start with because, you know, I was um, coaching a, a domestic violence organization and I was talking to their board and we went through this exercise that I shared a moment ago. I said, why are you, why is your organization exist? And, you know, to help victims of domestic violence, to advocate for this, to provide shelter for this, to serve and support and all, they gave me all the two answers. And I said, okay, you answered a why question with a what answer. Now let's change it. And if you started with the word because, how would your answer change? I said, why does your organization exist? And one of the board members raised her hand and she said, because unfortunately people hurt other people, even those that they love sometimes. The room just went like, you could hear a pin drop and everyone got the point. Uh, Like, okay, that's sobering. And yeah, we don't want to talk about the problem. That's fixating on the problem. And I got a whole episode on that. I'm I'm with you. I, I, I get the whole don't fixate on the problem, but know what it is you're, you're actually addressing. Understand that, you know, have a case, be able to be able to you know, articulate, Hey, there, there is a, this is real. We can't hide from this. Can't run from it. Can't pretend it doesn't exist. People are hurting people. We got to, there's a role for us to play in that a unique role. And notice our role is not law enforcement. We're not a law enforcement agency. We're a nonprofit organization. And so they got to go through, okay, so what do we do to help? What's our unique role and what are we trying to achieve? 
you know, we're trying to achieve, you know, recovery so people can, we're trying to create resilience. Many of them are trying to prevent by advocating and changing policy and, and, you know, p- making people more aware. So, so the, why are you here? And then what do you hope to achieve? What, 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 you, what do you, what do you want? And then, well, okay, what's your, so what's your charge, your unique role? What's your mission? And then what's your primary approach? Four questions. And, and uh, let me encourage you. Don't even, don't even pull out the flip chart for this. Just have these conversations, just get real and dig down deep into what you're really trying to achieve. Uh, you know, United Way did this uh, back a number of years ago. Why are you here? We're here to raise money. Nope. <laughs> that's not why you're here. That's what you do. And even that's changed in terms of the core mission. Uh, raising money is still a part of what they do. It's one of the strategies, but that's not why they're here. And, hey, everybody, you know what we need in this town? We need more fundraising. Yeah, let's go do that. That's not their purpose. Their purpose in the, in the beginning was, you know, let's make more efficient use of the resources in our community by pooling it all together and, um, and allocating those funds to organizations we believe are doing good in the community. That was the original sort of construct. That's not word for word what, what it says, but that's essentially it. So, again, four questions. Why are you here? What are you hoping to achieve? What's your charge? What, what are you charging yourself with? And what is, what is your primary or unique approach or method? That's it. Now, I want to say a couple things about the vision for just a moment. Whether you call it the vision statement or whether you just say this is what we want to achieve. Vision is twofold in my opinion. It's the, I, I like to talk about a two-day strategy today and tomorrow. What's the tomorrow vision? That's that ethereal down the road, you know, the ultimate thing we want to achieve. That's great. It's aspirational. It's noble. It's all that, right? It's the world peace thing. I got it. I get it. But what's the horizon vision? What's the thing that people can actually see and imagine and believe in right there? They can see it in front of them and they know there's a path there. And if that's the ethereal, if those are the, if that's the same as your big, big vision, great. That means it is so clear that you actually can see the road. You can see the path ahead of you that gets you there. But vision uh, is also a daily thing. What's the vision for today? What's the vision for this spreadsheet? How could we make it better so that the board will understand it better when we show it to them? What's our vision for our gala, you know, next fall? What's our vision for that? What do we, what do we see in our heads when we think about it and imagine that gala, something we want to do differently? What would make us say, wow, those kinds of conversations, that's all vision. So don't think of vision as that one big ethereal world peace statement. Vision, vision is one of the primary roles of a leader to help people see what's in front of them literally open the eyes of the team and the stakeholders so they can see what's in front of them. So they're not just walking blind or just saying, well, I guess we're going to keep, they told us to take this hill. (laughs) We don't know what it's going to lead to. So think about that when you think about vision. I want to share. I also want to talk with you about values in a moment. 
But first, let me let me share this mission construct that I have been talking about. I'm going to give you two examples. And one example is our organization, the Jinx Perspective. I'm going to give you our construct. I'm going to tell you why we're here. I'm going to tell you what it is we want. I'm going to tell you what we do, our charge. And I'm going to tell you how we do it, our strategy. Okay, and I'm going to do this in, in each one of these in one sentence. Okay, why is the Jinx Perspective here? Why did I form this business? I formed it because, and I'm going to, I'm going to not necessarily read this word for word. I want to make this conversational. So you understand I formed this business because after two decades in the sector, I saw that leading social change is one of the most complex things out there. I found that progress takes longer than it should. <laughs> I think the sector moves incredibly slow and maybe some of that is necessary, but a lot of it's not. I think resources seem scarce and fragmented. And I I know that in this space, leadership can be lonely. Let me say it again. This is why I formed the business. Because after 20 years in the sector, I saw that leading social change is complex. Progress often takes longer than it should. Resources seem scarce and fragmented. And leadership can be a lonely place. Now notice, I haven't told you the first thing about what I do yet. I just told you why I formed the Jinx Perspective, why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's the why. Because as comedian Michael Jr. says, and I I use his video a lot in my workshops, when you know your why, your what has more impact because you're walking in or toward a purpose. So one more time, we're here because leading social change is complex. Progress often takes longer than it should. Resources seem scarce and fragmented and leadership can be a lonely place. Okay, so what do we want? Well, we want the opposite of that. See how simple this is? We want a faster, stronger, more abundant, and more agile social sector or nonprofit sector or third sector, voluntary sector, independent sector, whatever you want to call it. It's all the same thing. Again, what do we want? Well, we want a faster, stronger, more abundant, more agile sector. Wouldn't you love to see that? Let's change the sector Now, we have to do it one organization at a time sometimes, at least in our work, with our scope, our capacity, our role, our position in the whole universe of it. But that's what we want. We want nonprofits to be able to move faster, be stronger, think more abundantly, and be more agile and flexible. Don't constrain yourselves. That's what we want. I still haven't told you what I do, have I? (laughs) I've told you why I'm here because of what I've seen in the sector for 20 years. I've told you what I'd like to see. Okay, so what's my mission? What's, what's our role in this? The mission of the Jinx Perspective, our charge, is to help social sector leaders and their teams. So notice we're focusing on people now, not organizations. Our charge is to help social sector leaders and their teams achieve meaningful action by doing three things, clarifying, simplifying, and aligning their work. Let me say it again, our charge, help social sector leaders and their teams achieve meaningful action by clarifying, simplifying, and aligning their work. Now, why do I talk about clarifying and simplifying? Because go back to my purpose, the complexity of social change. So that's what we do now. 
I'm like, okay, well, uh, there's probably a lot of like consultants or vendors or other people who could say the same thing. They're trying to help social sector leaders, but we still don't know exactly like, how do you do that? Well, here's how, here's our strategy. We provide nonprofit leaders with access to world-class leadership and strategy coaching. And I won't go in and read the rest of our theory of change, but we believe that coaching draws out the best thinking. We always differentiate ourselves between coaching and consulting, not because consulting isn't great, valuable, and we need consultants, just because that's not the role I play. That's not my mission. That's not my hill. My hill is coaching, so I have a different approach that I take with our clients, and it is a different approach. So that's it. Now, I just gave you our mission, our vision, our strategy, our underlying purpose in in four bullets. It is really simple if you ask yourself those questions. Now, I want to shift, and I want to share with you the this construct as it relates to uh, one of uh, one of my clients that I'm so honored to serve, and I'm going to call them out because I think that I'm I'm confident they would be be proud about this. They should be proud about this. This is, and I told her I said I'm going to use this as an example. Uh, Sue Buckholtz is the CEO of Evergreen Life Services. And uh, they are a, I don't consider them a national organization. They're in eight states, I think seven states now. They're in seven states and uh, they, uh, I'm going to tell you what they do uh, here in a minute. So through the construct, but they uh, recently in working with their board and some of their staff teams, we're just kind of in a review affirming the answers to these questions. And we're having these conversations with their board and what was so powerful a few weeks ago down in Tampa is that their board in the conversations aligned perfectly with what their stated mission and vision and all that construct uh, says. Their conversation aligns with it. And that's how I sort of test it. I tell them, put your books away. Nobody go to the website. I don't want you to quote your mission statement to me. Nobody, don't anybody quote a mission statement to me. I want to have a conversation. And we ask some questions. I said, why are you here? Um, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? What do you want to do? What's your end goal here? What are you trying to achieve? What's your mission? Your char- what are you charging yourself with doing? And what's your sort of theory of change or your approach to this? So here it is, Evergreen Life Services. Why, why Evergreen Life Services? And notice I'm starting with why, so you're not going to understand exactly exactly what they do. This isn't a job description for all the services they provide because it's a lot. This is the mission construct. So why are we here? This is what they say, both in statements on their on their website and all that, and in their conversations. They're here for two reasons, and these are powerful. Number one, because the individuals that they seek to serve have disabilities that are severe and irreversible. Irreversible. So they know these people are in it for life. They face lifelong challenges and usually need some level of professional support throughout their lifespan. Are you getting the purpose here? The, 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 the underlying purpose they're serving people with disabilities that are severe and irreversible. These challenges are lifelong. So they're not going to remove the disabilities. They're not going to, they're not going to, not going to, you know, quote, fix the people. That's not, that's not what they're trying to do. These are lifelong challenges because of severe and irreversible disabilities. And they usually need some level of professional support throughout their lifespan. In other words, their families, as much as they love them and care for them, 
don't have the capacities and the competencies to provide what really needs to be provided. That's why we're here. Isn't that a great because? Here's the second because. There's another reason. And we're doing this because we are driven by Christian principles and the words, specifically the words of Jesus, when he said, whatever you do for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. Now, Evergreen Life Services was formed as Evergreen Presbyterian Ministries. They are a faith-based organization. They are a full-on secular nonprofit in terms of you know their, their work and their scope and their scale, but they are founded on Christian principles. That's why they're here. <laughs> Pretty simple. Now, what do they want? Well, their vision is that with the right support and training, the individuals they serve can lead productive and fulfilling lives. Now think about this. Go back in the days, you know, you, you got to maybe break open your history book. Some of you have lived it and seen it. There was a time when the individuals that Evergreen serves would be labeled all kinds of, of things that denote um, lack of value for their lives. And literally they would be put away, put away into institutions because there's no, what these people are not going to be productive. In fact, they're going to be absorbing resource. They're going to, they're going to be consumers without being contributors. And you know, they, they're not going to be able to live a fulfilling life anyway. I mean, that was, that was sort of the approach that was taken. And Evergreen set out a number of years ago to change that. We believe p these people can live not only fulfilling lives, but productive ones. They can contribute. That's the vision. Can you see that? Can you see? I mean, literally, you can, you can see that in your mind, the difference between these people with intellectually developmental disabilities actually leading productive and fulfilling lives. They have jobs, they have families, they have purpose, they have, they have friends, they have hobbies, they have talents, they have, a, they have abilities, which we're going to get to next or in a moment. So why are they here? We covered that. What do they want? They want to see these individuals lead productive and fulfilling lives. Okay, so what's our mission? What's our charge then? Because there's a lot of stuff that needs to happen. <laughs> well, our charge is to serve provide for and champion individuals with disabilities. Three things, serve, provide for, and champion individuals with disabilities. Now, here's what I love about this is that they didn't stop there. They really break down and define serve, provide, and champion. They define them. It's on their, on their website. They, they list the mission for those that like those, you know, those eight word, 10 word missions. It's there. Serve, provide, and champion individuals with disabilities. But then they define serve, provide, and champion. For example, um, provide. Provide opportunities for meaningful employment. Provide a place they can call home. Provide quality care for medical and behavioral needs. So they've gotten specific about what they provide for and what I love about that is, this goes to my dissertation I'm working on, those are measurable. They can measure whether or not the clients that they serve have a place that they can call home, whether or not they obtain meaningful employment, whether or not 
they're receiving quality care for medical and behavioral needs. So they define these things in their mission. This is our charge. Our charge is to serve, provide for, and champion individuals with disabilities. And instead of saying that means everything, they have narrowed it and said, this is what we mean by serve, provide, and champion. Powerful stuff. Now, what's their approach? Their, their sort of theory of change on this. This is really good. This is so clear. Uh, by the way, um, Sue Buckholtz, um, the CEO of Evergreen, she she will be on this show before long. Trust me, I'm, I'm getting around. I've already, I've already uh, told her we're going to find a time to make this happen because her leadership is just incredible. And I, wanna, I want you to be able to hear some of the tenets that she relies on in leading this amazing organization that has a big social enterprise component to what they do. And just it's just tremendous, just tremendous. And um, their chief, their their now their chief strategy and innovation officer has been someone who himself has um, been quite uh, prolific, I think, in the world of social enterprise. Both he and his wife, uh, Dave Parker, is um, the person that led them through this mission, vision, and values uh, work uh, a year or so ago. Um, and so to be able to come back to it now and hear the conversations that they're having and know that those conversations align perfectly with what they formed is just a really cool thing. And we'll have David on the program uh, at some point too. All right. So let me get back. We've talked, we're talking about evergreen life services. We've told you why they're here. We've told you what they want, uh, you know, productive and fulfilling lives for the people they serve. We've told you, uh, what their charge is: serve, provide for, and champion people with disabilities. Now, What's their approach? Uh, what's their unique positioning? Here it is. Evergreen focuses on the abilities of the people we serve, not the disabilities. We serve people with disabilities, but our focus is on their abilities, not their disabilities. What a theory, right? That's so, it's so clear. It's so clear. Uh, from our perspective, they say, the glass is always half full. In almost all cases, listen to this, in almost all cases, people with intellectual and developmental disabilities can greatly improve their level of functioning with the right professional training and support. So you get the professional support and training, not just love and care. Their families give that, but they don't have the professional support and the training to give their family members, their loved ones, what they really need. And here's the final statement here. With decades of experience and modern best practices, Evergreen works hard to enable every person it serves to reach his or her highest potential for independence, self-care, and productivity. Crystal clear. Crystal clear why they're there. Because the old way is not the right way. <laughs> we could sum it up like that. Uh, what do they want? They want the people that they serve with, with IDD they want them to live productive and fulfilling lives. What do they do? They serve, provide for, and champion them in a number of ways that they define. And what's their approach? They focus on the abilities. They strive for the highest potential each individual can reach. I don't know. Maybe I'm a geek or a nerd on this stuff. I kind of figure if you're listening to this podcast on leadership, maybe you are too. Uh, to me, that's just one of the best I've ever seen 
because it, it actually inspires me. I get it. I totally get it. I've always said, if I can walk away from a client or just an organization, maybe that I donate to or whatever, and I can articulate it and it makes good sense to me, they've really gotten good clarity on this. And they've spent a lot of time making sure that they're on it and it's consistent. You can talk to all of their staff. They've got close to 2000 employees across the seven states that serve and provide for and champion these people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And the language is the same. We actually looked, we actually went and, uh, and, uh, did a, did a, uh, did some discovery with all 2000 employees and they're saying the same things. The language is consistent. Everybody gets it. And I just think it's a beautiful thing. Now I'm going to talk about the last thing. And then we're going to wrap this episode up. We're going to talk about values. Because, you know, values, I always make fun of this. I make fun of it in my book, a value statement. You know what that is. That's a, that's a list of words or phrases. They're usually in bulleted format and they're designed to assure the stakeholders that we're a very caring and trustworthy organization. And they always include words like integrity. We value integrity. We value honesty. We value transparency. We value, you know, customer service. Uh, and, and those are great. And I know how I sound, I sound like all just insulting of everyone who has those in your value statements, keep them there. They, those are, those are real words. They do mean things. My problem with them is that they have become, because they're so common in a value statement, they've kind of lost their, um, their bite. It's like you read a value statement, you just expect to see those words there. And I would expect a nonprofit organization to be honest. I would expect you to have integrity to me. And this is just the jinx perspective. <laughs> to me, those are table stakes. Those are the givens. We ought to all have that. It's not like our, you know, um, it's not like if we put honest on our website, people are going to be more inclined to, to give. I mean, we just have to, we just have to live that. Be, do, say. We have to be it, we have to do, and we have to say. And those all have to align. The audio has to match the video. So the values, I, you know, again, when if you were to ask what the question is there, it'd be, what are the rules of the game? You know, um, I, this is funny. In my, uh, in my organizational leadership studies over this past couple of years, we've learned that culture, what culture really means is the way we do things around here. That's culture, which really ties directly to values. So, well, how do we do things around? What's the way we do things around here? So you can say that you value transparency, but if the way we do things around here is that the top executive leaders get in a room and close the door, you know, three times a week and then don't tell everybody what's going on and then blindside them with some big organizational decision, well, the culture doesn't match what's on the value statement in the strategic plan. So what we try to get at is what are the things you really do believe are the way things are done around here? What is your culture? So let me share with you five things that I picked up in conversation with Evergreen Life Services regarding their values. Now they have some other things in there and yes, they include things like integrity and honesty, but uh, people first, it's value number one. And I really loved this when we surveyed the, the 2000 employees and we surveyed them, what came back, we, we took their open-ended results and we put them through in vivo software, which is a quality, it's the qualitative data analysis software that I'm using for my dissertation. It's a, it's a really high end product. 
And we, we put it in and we found the themes taking their transcriptions word for word off the surveys. And we found themes. And one of the themes we found from all the employees was people before organization. We're not an institution or an organization or an entity. We are people. And for the employees, it was, we are, we are, we are, the employees are people serving the clients who are people. People first. Um, doing the right things for the right reasons. Value, that's another value. Life with meaning. <laughs> Boy, that goes straight to their mission and vision, doesn't it? Especially their vision, productive, fulfilling lives. Life with meaning. Here's another one that goes straight to their theory of change, of value. People can be more. Now notice, this doesn't say people with disabilities can be more. That's what I love about this. It just says people can be more. I can be more. You can be more. There's more. We can be more. And then their last one, this is so good. This one might surprise you. Contrarian approach. That's a value for them. The contrarian approach. Their entire approach to how they serve people was contrarian when it was formed. It went against the conventional wisdom. It went against the norms of the day. It went against the, the philosophies and, and even what scientists thought and the medical profession and everybody else. It was contrary. And today they strive to keep their contrarian approach, which is question the status quo. Ask yourself, why do we keep doing things this way? Uh, I just, I just happen to absolutely love that. I want to share a couple of other values statements with you from two other organizations that I've worked with in the past. Habitat for Humanity in Greenville, South Carolina, led by Monroe Free, one of the greatest leaders I've ever had, had the opportunity to work with. And here are their values. I'm going to, I'm going to move quickly here. Listen to how different these are from honesty, transparency, integrity. You know, any of us could list the five words that are probably on 90% of all value statements, corporate or otherwise. But listen to these eight values of Habitat for Humanity. Number one, everyone has a right to be heard. Number two, getting better is always best. Get better, improve, do better. I, I love that. It matches evergreens. People can be more. Uh, value number three, mission, mission, mission. Stay focused. Don't drift, right? Uh, number four, collaboration means geometric improvement. Number five, we say what we do and we do what we say. That leads, that uh, speaks to trust. Uh, number six, right wins over expediency. Right wins over expediency. Number seven, fun and accountability are not mutually exclusive. <laughs> Isn't that a great thing to have on a value statement? Culture, the way we do things around here. Yeah, we have fun here. Helping people. Solving, addressing deep community issues. We have fun doing it. But we also hold ourselves accountable. And then finally, one habitat. One habitat. Um, National Association for uh, Family Child Care. They're based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. I worked with them a number of times when Bill Hudson was their CEO. Bill has, has uh, since left and formed his own consultancy around family child care. And Bill is on our advisory board and just have, he, he's so good at helping to create these kinds of things and these conversations. Their values, uh, six values. Number one, first and foremost, our primary focus is on providers. Now they, again, 
this is an association of family child care centers. So these are like home-based child care centers. Number two, we work as a team, each role in concert with the whole in pursuit of our vision. Number three, we provide equal opportunity for any who wish to advance the mission with us. Number four, we consistently ask why. I love that one. Uh, number five, we determine what is right, then how to do it. Very similar to Habitats, which says right wins over expediency. And then number six, our decisions and our message are founded in credible data, not on assumptions and emotions. Our decisions and our message are founded in credible data. And then uh, again, it's be, do, say. I've watched these organizations live these values because they're articulated in a way that actually means something to people. They're not buzzwords. They're not the given. Some people go, okay, well, I'm, I'm honest, so I must be living the values or I have integrity. We would all say we have integrity, but are we living these values? Are we operating like this? So look, I just, I hope this is helpful. I just wanted to share a different construct, a different way of looking at mission, vision, and values, break out of statement building and think about actual mission building, vision building, culture building. Just ask yourself the questions. And here they are again. Why are you here? <laughs> what do you hope to achieve? What's your charge? And what's your primary approach? And what are the rules? What are the ways you do things around here? If you can answer those questions substantively with your stakeholders, your team, your board, you'll have mission, vision, and value statements that won't just look pretty on a website. They will mean something to your organization. That is the Jinx Perspective for this week. We'll be back again next week, and we've got some amazing uh, guests coming up uh, not too far from here. And I do, I do want to get Sue and... Um, Sue Buckholtz and Dave Parker on the program soon. Monroe Free, by the way, and Bill Hudson, the uh, CEOs of Habitat for Humanity in Greenville and the uh, former CEO of the National Association for Family Child Care that I just talked about. Uh, they have been on this program before. So go to the podcast page on our website and look for their episodes because they're fantastic. You get to see what I'm talking about, the authentic leadership that makes these cultures happen. That's it, folks. Hope it's been helpful. Uh, see you next time. Lead on.